This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Yeah, this is a total joke of a ruling by this partisan Democrat judge in New York. Uh, the, the Democrat New York Attorney General Tish James had this Democrat judge simply rule that Trump committed fraud. No trial, no jury, and it's for the non-fraud of Trump paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest. We've been talking about this for almost a year, Steve. This is Democrat lawfare. This is election interference. Let me let me just give you one example from this. This partisan Democrat judge pretends that Mar-a-Lago is only worth $17 million. Mar-a-Lago is worth well over $1 billion. A tennis court at Mar-a-Lago is worth $17 million. But regardless, that is a factual issue, a factual dispute for the jury to decide in a trial, not for this partisan judge to just decide on his own without a trial. This is cl a clearly a constitutional violation of Trump's Seventh Amendment rights and his due process rights. He needs to take this up on appeal. Unfortunately, these New York courts are garbage. They're Marxist hellhole garbage courts run by Democrat judges. So it seems like the Supreme Court of the United States may have to step in on this case once again because of this lawfare against Trump. Uh, it's Wednesday, 27th September in the year of our Lord, 2023. Remember when this broke yesterday, we got Mike Davis, one of the smartest and toughest guys around, to join us. Uh, this story only gets bigger. And remember, it took place... As we talked about this morning about losing the country in these great cities that are collapsing before our eyes, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, and of course, New York City, the greatest city in the world. Uh, we've asked uh, Don Jr. to join us. Donald Trump Jr. joins us. Don Jr., um, this is so shocking on many, uh, on many fronts, but this is no different now than we're run by the CCP. At any time, they can just step forward and strip you of your assets, strip you of your property, strip you of your rights. How did this possibly happen in a city I know you, your father, and your family have dedicated your lives to help help build and make greater and love dearly, sir? Listen, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's actually hard to believe. I mean, we changed the skyline of New York City. Uh, we, we altered it, did that for years. We were worship revered. We could... Uh, you know, do anything we wanted in New York City. But once you go against that machine, uh, you are to be destroyed. You, yeah, Mike Davis is great. Uh, I loved everything that he said there, and he's 100% right. That would be my choice for attorney general in a, in a second Trump term to end this lawfare, to end this weaponization. But you have a judge unilaterally deciding, you know what, we're not going to go to a jury. 
I'm going to ignore the world's foremost experts on real estate, the people who are actually in those markets. I'm going to say that an asset that is next door to a 2.2 acre lot that's on the market for $150 million that happens to be 20 acres approximately with one of the most spectacular homes in the world is worth $18 million and therefore Trump somehow committed fraud. I, I'd like to see what these same people would do, Steve, if my father transferred Mar-a-Lago to me for $18 million. They'd sue him for fraudulent conveyance. They'd sue him for avoidance of estate taxes. You can't win. And that's what this is all about. They've set up a system where it's impossible to win. And it's not just Trump and in New York City. They've done the same in Washington, D.C., for all the victims of the J6 persecutions. They're doing the same things for all the people in Georgia, uh, in Fulton County. It's designed for people to not be able to have a fair trial totally against our Constitution. And it's going to continue. This judge actually went above and beyond radical leftist Attorney General Letitia James, who campaigned before even being in office on a campaign of I'm going to take down Trump, actually went further and gave her things that she wasn't even asking for on top of what she was already looking for. Disregarded an appellate court that removed things uh, from there and just said, no, nope, it doesn't matter. I'm putting it in anyway. Uh, we've never seen anything like this probably since the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. And we know how that ended. But uh, you know, at this point, that's not hyperbole anymore. That's just what's going on. Don Jr., since New York City, and this is why even the uh, the progressive left business community and the hedge fund community, the, the far left that, that hate your father, your family, and particularly what your dad stands for politically in this country, backing a populist nationalist movement made up of working class and middle class folks. In fact, your dad's out today uh, with working class people in, in Detroit even as we speak. We're going to have more on that later in the show. Um, What's happened here is so outrageous. Letitia James ran on this, but I think of everything that people have tracked, the lawfare against President Trump, this was the one I think that most people thought was the most ridiculous because you paid the banks back. These are banks you had long-term relationships yeah. with. There's nothing happened here. I mean, she just kind of could walk it. No. I'm not sure sure the audience understands how they just created yeah, no, I mean, this you know, they're out of basically, nothing. There's no victim here. So you, you defrauded a bank that was paid back in full with interest? I, I explained that. I don't understand. They're also making the assumption that people are dumb enough to not think that, you know, Deutsche Bank, you know, like a trillion-dollar institution, they don't do their own diligence. I mean, any one of your viewers, any one of your listeners, Steve, if they've ever gotten a home loan, there's an appraisal done by a third party for the bank for the purpose of that loan. You end up paying for that. Are they pretending that they would do that for a $300,000 home, let's say, but not for a $100 million asset? And by the way, there's sworn testimony from the executives who worked on those loans, who worked at those banks saying, no, of course we do that. There's disclaimer language in the financial statements. My brother and I, where there's witness testimony saying that we had nothing to do with those statements of financial condition, we're totally ignored. The judge wanted to bring us back in because we're Trump and we're going to use that to hurt you, even though there's literal witnesses saying the opposite. They're going against that and avoiding even a trial by jury, just going to a unanimous decision uh, during summary judgment saying, you know, we don't need to hear from that. We're going to take everything that that AG and you've seen all the videos and, the, you know, we're going to get Trump. We're going to take him down. We're going to do this without having looked at anything just to get into office. We're going to take everything that that person says and say it's gospel. Uh, when I did, you know, I think I did about 12 hours in front of 
uh, the attorney general, me versus 12 of their lawyers, they would go through that. They'd look at Trump Doral. It's a it's you know a golf hotel complex that we have in Miami, Florida. And they said, well, our expert says that, you know, it's worth this because there's this many rounds of golf done at this. But I go, but what about the fact that it's like 600 acres of prime real estate in Miami? Does that not have value? Uh, OK, well, next question. You know, they're cherry picking what they want and totally disregarding everything else. They've done this time and time again. Once you actually talked about true value, you know, they, they were looking at revenue, almost incapable of thinking beyond that because they, they weren't sophisticated that way, which is sort of hard to believe that they're able to actually go after these sorts of things without even a basic understanding of valuation. And yet it doesn't stop them because it's New York. They're mandated. They're going to be cheered on They're Every time they do something, they're going to use that as a way to run for their next election. And even though she tried running for governor, that failed miserably. She'll try to do it again. And uh, it, it's a vicious cycle of insanity. Uh, you know, that, that keeps happening uh, in these states. And again, it's not just limited to us. I mean, you know, Trump's always been around. You know, they're not after him. They're after all of you. And he's just in the way, because if they can do it to Donald Trump, they can do it to anyone. If they will do it to Donald Trump with his means, with his platform, with his ability to get that message out, et cetera, et cetera. Who won't they do it to? Who won't they persecute if you stand in their way? And I think that's what this message is about. If you own real property in New York, in the state, uh, and you're not just blindly following their narrative. You know, they they will try to seize your property, it seems, because that's the precedent we're setting here, which is not at all American. Just I want to make sure that people understand how outrageous this is in a normal course of business. You prevent it. You present the financial statements with your advisors and consultants and their valuation and your cash flows and the numbers. Um, and you had disclaimers. I've seen the disclaimers on the front. You can't rely upon any of this. You got to do your own independent due diligence. Some of the most sophisticated financial institutions in the world, in New York City, with their teams of bankers, their teams of advisors, their teams of consultants, went through after intense due diligence, made the loans at the terms the loans were made at, the loans were paid off, they made their money. Is that essentially what the crime is? Is that the crime that he I, did? Uh, what? Uh, which, Every company which, that takes a loan, is that is that what they're charging, that they're saying this I, is what they're picking apart, which was normal course of business? Yeah, be, beyond that, they're actually disregarding the sworn testimony from those people who were on those loans saying that, of course, we do our own diligence. What are you talking about? Like, we're, you know, we're a trillion dollar bank. Like, we don't just take what someone says it's going to be worth. We actually do our own diligence as part of these processes, just like they would if they're, you know, you're getting an apartment or a, a house of your own. Uh, it's no different, frankly, the diligence levels uh, uh, on large assets. And again, there's sworn testimony from these bankers, from these institutions in part of this in through depositions and everything saying that they did that. But that's just been disregarded because they want to get to an end result. Steve, that's you know, that's the bottom line. We've seen this here. This is nothing new at this point. Uh, it should be very troubling to all Americans. But at this point, this is how the Democrats are functioning. This is how they go after their enemies. Meanwhile, it also doesn't seem like uh, a coincidence anymore that every time there's news about Joe Biden and money from China and, you know, to the crackhead son who's employed by the CCP because, you know, they have a lot of crackheads, you know, in, as part of their diversity, equity and inclusion programs. They want to diversify and have crackhead portfolio managers that they give a billion dollars to. You know, it, I can't help but notice that that happens on the day that you know Joe Biden's home address is listed on the bank transfer from a CCP entity. Uh, and yet, uh, magically, just like every other indictment of Trump and just like every other bad ruling comes uh, just in time to save Joe Biden from a vicious news cycle.
Uh, Don Jr., also, because this confusion, I mean, MSNBC is dancing in your guys' grave. Did they also take the ability for the Trump organization to operate in New York? Did they take your business license? Because you can't really parse what the truth is with these people. What actually happened? What did they do? Yeah. Besides the, the they're, money they're, they're coming trying after. To do all of that, what about your business you know, license? You know, dissolution. It seems the judge isn't exactly sure what that meant based on the hearings today, even. Our own lawyers. And, you know, before I got more into the political game, I did real estate for 25 years, and I've never even heard of anything like this. And uh, that, that's what's crazy. You can talk with a team of very sophisticated lawyers, and they're like, we don't know because it doesn't make any sense. We've never seen any of this before. But yes, they are in effect trying to do that. If you read the letter of the law, theoretically, my cabin in upstate New York, because it's owned in an LLC, that is a corporation, and therefore, because I'm a part of it somehow, uh, that has to be disbanded. And so, well, so then what or who actually owns my cabin at this point? Uh, it, it's it's that this has been done in such a roughshod manner. No one even knows what is real or what isn't. No one can make any sense of it. And it seems like, based on that, everything we've even heard today from the hearings today, that even the judge himself isn't quite sure what he did. But, you know, I guess he's stuck into Trump. So uh, that that's OK. And it doesn't really matter. They'll figure it out later. And I know you got to bounce. We've got about a minute. Appeals. One, one is, it goes to trial next week, I guess, for other charges that are thrown in there. But when do you guys get to appeal this? Well, we, we've already gone, you know, reached out to the appellate division. Again, they've ruled on some of the things that were just totally ignored by the judge already. Uh, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, bringing back in my sister who wasn't part of some of these things and uh, amongst other things. The Mar-a-Lago valuation, the judge, I believe, even said, oh, yeah, it may be worth a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. I'm saying it's worth 18. I mean, th- that's a big delta, Steve. That's not, you know, the difference between 18 and 19. Uh, <laughs> the difference between $18 million and a billion dollars is a big difference. And if the judge is even acknowledging that it's probably the other, uh, it-, it just shows you how much of a setup this is. But again, that shouldn't surprise us because we've seen that time and time again. Uh, we-, we see that while they ignore crime, as you mentioned, running rampant. You've seen what's going on in Philadelphia last night. I mean, uh, looting, rioting, arson. No, that's fine. Let's just keep hiring Soros DAs. They can do this. You know, that's coming to a city near you, Steve. That's not just happening in these inner cities anymore. That's going to branch out because there's no consequence to those actions because they're spending all of their time and all of their capital going after their political enemies rather than actual criminals. Don uh, Jr., what's your social media? How do people get to you in the podcast? Uh, you can see me on Rumble. I'm, I'm there live, uh, you know, Mondays and Thursdays, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, my podcast is called Triggered. You can see me there. I'm on all the usual social channels. My handle is Donald J. Trump Jr. Uh, you know, uh, Truth Social, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the usual. I won't see it any of the grounds, even if they shadow ban the hell out. So a couple of instances involving Congressman Matt Gates. Um, I will omit most of the context here, but I'll tell you the lines that have kept me uh, up and up and uncomfortable. He chuckled and brushed his thumb across my chin. Has anyone told you ever told you you're a national treasure? You describe a night at Camp David um, when he was leaning against the doorframe while um, somebody answered the door to another cabin. Matt straightened his posture when Kevin McCarthy asked him what he wanted. He explained he had seen my golf cart parked outside and thought this was my cabin. Embarrassed, I got up and asked Mr. Gates what he needed. He explained that he was lost and asked me to escort him to his cabin. I told him to proceed around the circle drive. All the cabins are clearly marked. It's impossible to get lost. He asked me one more time to leave with him. Kevin McCarthy then said, quote, get a life, Matt, and shut the door. Now, Mr. Gates, um, we asked him for comment on these allegations tonight. He told us, I don't remember either of these events. 
And based on Cassidy's prior false statements, I doubt they occurred. I did date Cassidy for a few weeks when we were both single years ago. We parted amicably and remained friends thereafter, even during President Trump's post-presidency. And then he goes on to make other unrelated claims. Um, I just, I'm sorry to ask you if you want to respond to that, but I'm going to ask you if you want to respond. I would love to respond to that. Rachel, oh, good. So thank you for giving me the option. Yeah. Um, I will give Matt credit in his part of the statement that we did have an amicable working relationship mm. and we, we were good friends at, at points. Um, Matt Gates, in my opinion, is somebody that I personally do not hold in high regards in terms of trust. And I do not think that Matt Gates has the best track record for relationships and condoning, condoning his relationships, how he thinks that they might be defined. I will say on behalf of myself, I never dated Matt Gates. I have much higher standards in men. And Matt, frankly, is a very unserious politician. We see that today with the ruckus that he is causing on Capitol Hill with the spending negotiations. And I'm not, I don't really have much else to say to somebody that is more concerned about a soundbite than actually passing legislation. Okay. Uh, you know that we focus and specialize in the signal and not chasing the shiny toys. So why are we going back to this? Well, this is the young woman that has accused President Trump of, you know, on the, all the J6 testimony you saw, accused President Trump of taking the wheel from the Secret Service. She has um, accused Rudy Giuliani of, I think, groping her and molest, trying to molest her in, uh, in the freezing cold in back of the J6 stand where the, where the speech was going to be given, these talks are going to be given. Uh, and now she's made some um, allegations about Matt Gates right at the moment. We told you because we're going to have Biggs on later, Rosendale on later. We're going to get you all up to speed on what's happening. But, um, you, can, you know, Matt Gates, uh, as well as he's been today, every time you get to a gaggle, they got to ask about Cassidy Hutchinson. This is not random. The coincidences don't happen. This is why this was dropped now. And, of course, Raheem Kassam is out spending the day. The National Pulse guys are putting up this really amazing uh, interview with President Trump. So they're busy getting that up, getting it out. Huge traffic. Everybody's talking about this. And then, Raheem, you kind of dropped a blockbuster in, in late in the afternoon. Because, and this is, you know, I don't often talk about my case, but my appeals going forward in a couple of weeks. And one of the central things in my appeal is, uh, and the reason I didn't tell you was about, about the structure of the committee in Congress, that it did not have a ranking member and did not have a minority council. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi ruled that it wasn't going to have it. When, when Jim Jordan and a couple others were put up, she didn't want it. She says, those are not acceptable to me which is not supposed to be the rules. And, you know, she formed it with Liz Cheney and others, which as we start to show the today on our favorite, Nicole Wallace, guess who's there? They're, they're carpet bombing Cassidy Hutchins. Was because you didn't have a minority ranking member and a minority council. You didn't get the depositions beforehand. and You didn't have cross-examination. It's one of the reasons that J six, committee didn't get traction. There was no tension. There was no drama. She just able to sit there and go on and on and on. And they treat her like Joan of Arc. 
So Raheem Kassam, you dropped a blockbuster today. Can you can we put the photo up and uh, and can you tell us what what we're looking at, sir? Well, to quote um, Cassidy Hutchinson, I'd love to respond to that, and thank you for giving me the option. I will say on behalf of myself, <laughs> we have had we've had a couple of scoops this afternoon, um, and this is one of them. The the uh, picture that you're seeing on your screens there, ladies and gentlemen, is a screen grab of a FaceTime phone call. Uh, and it's actually taken from the perspective of Cassidy Hutchinson, the screenshot Apple users will know, FaceTime users will know, uh, will put the person who is taking the screenshot in small, which is on the left-hand picture where you see Matt Gates's face there, you'll see in the very top left, uh, that little thing, we've blown it up. That's the picture on the right, and that is Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, both laying on their pillows, having a FaceTime phone conversation. And this was a screenshot that Cassidy Hutchinson took on her phone at the time and sent it around to her friends. She sent it around to her friends, bragging about the fact that she was dating Matt Gates. Uh, it's an incredibly uh, sloppy thing that she's done here in going on national television and claiming that this never happened, given that there is a record of this stuff uh, floating around. And, and, and I am told by a, a, a couple of sources now on this image that, that it wasn't just that these two were chatting, is that Cassidy was in fact boasting about her relationship uh, with Matt Gates. This was several years ago when they were both single, by the way, the relationship uh, lasted just a couple of weeks. But nevertheless, uh, this flies to, to, to the heart of what she has been telling people, uh, which is manifestly false. Uh, she's been caught in lies before, uh, Steve, as we know, the story about, you know, Donald Trump and his go-go gadget extendo arm reaching into the front seat of the beast and, and wrestling a Secret Service agent and driving the beast into the Capitol building or whatever she claimed happened next. Um, and, and there's just a, you know, a plethora of dominoes that fall uh, around Cassidy Hutchinson and the claims that she has made uh, over the last several months. So uh, it seems like the salacious, but it is actually the signal. Um, this goes to the heart of the desperation of people like Cassidy and, and, and who she's working for. And I will add this, something that the, the, the corporate media won't tell you as well is who Cassidy Hutchinson is very, very close knit friends with. And that is uh, Alyssa Farah. Uh, that is uh, what I like to call, and they will know as, and, and the insiders know this too, the Bombay Club posse. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story, Steve, but um, Alyssa Farah, uh, uh, Olivia Nuzzi, uh, Caitlin Collins, all of these all of these gals are thick as thieves. And of course, none of them uh, are friendly, let's say, to uh, the MAGA movement, not Matt Gates, not Donald Trump, uh, and not the wider America First movement. So you see this nexus come together. You see these lies perpetuated on MSNBC. And this evening, the National Pulse has reached out to Jennifer Mulraney, the senior producer at The Rachel Maddow Show, for a comment on why they allowed her claims to go unchallenged, given that this evidence is yeah. clearly out there. MSNBC, uh, um, uh, O'Donnell, Nicole Wallace, CNN, they're carpet bombing this. They're, they're rolling this out. You know, the accusations against Rudy, and I think Rudy's getting ready to soar. 
the lies about Trump. The 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 is she in your mind given because for our radio and podcast audience, I want to make sure if we can put the picture back up or we can do a split screen. We don't need to see Raheem. We let's show the photo, or you don't need to see me. We can see Raheem. Raheem, particularly for. You know, you say Bombay Club, you know I lead a monkish existence. So this is all new to me and maybe for people my age. Is this something people, young people or younger people do? Do you actually at night, because that looks like a MyPillow, MyPillow.com, promo code Warbroom. That looks like a MyPillow. They're on their pillows. It's nighttime. You're, you're, you're in bed. Is this something folks do? Yeah, I mean, you and I have done it before, Steve. <laughs> but <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, first off, I don't know how to use FaceTime, but if I did, it, yeah, it would be with Raheem. Very good. <laughs> Touche, <laughs> sir. Is, no, is, this, some, is this something? <laughs> I was just reading yesterday the sort of new ahead, rules uh, around uh, etiquette as far as as far as the next generation is concerned. I suppose I, I, I sit with one foot in each camp being uh, a millennial. Uh, but, you know, it's the it's the thing that you text before you call, you make sure it's OK to call. And then when you do call, it's more than likely going to be a FaceTime call rather than a, a, a phone to your head call. Um, and, and that's what was clearly happening here. And, and look, I've, I've spoken to Congressman Gates about this. He's very clear that, that they were in a, a very short-term, amicable relationship, ended amicably, uh, as I think he said in that statement to MSNBC. And, and, and what I noticed as well in that Maddo clip that you, you just played there is, is he had more to say uh, as a result of you know, the questions that MSNBC were putting to him, but they didn't actually read the rest of his statement out, uh, which I think is important and is germane uh, to the conversation that they are trying to have, right? I don't think Matt Gates is trying to have this conversation. He's got quite another big conversation taking place that he is a big part of on Capitol Hill, but this is the one they want to drag him into. So, okay, you know, actual right. news reporters, actual journalists are going to bother to go away and try to verify what happened here. That's what we've done. This is what we found. The claim that she is making that they weren't, you know, uh, close enough to be having, you know, what is effectively tech pillow talk um, is is clear. My my, Raheem, just hang on one second. I know you're really busy today, but just hang on. We got Julie Kelly. We have Natalie Winters. We're going to get down to this. My pillow makes a uh, makes a showing in the B-Block back in a moment. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We've got a tremendous amount of news of what's going on on Capitol Hill, and there's a, a firefight. I can tell you that Romney, they had a Senate a meeting today, a lunch, and they sent over this CR to the House that's totally unacceptable. It's got the Ukraine money in it, nothing on the border. And I think Romney, in a kind of a throwdown, turned to his colleagues. This is just the Republicans said, who in here would back just a clean CR? Right. And they had over half the room raise their hands. The Senate in this regard is not serious. There's not going to be a clean CR. A clean CR is never going to happen. Look, no CR is going to happen. People should understand right now when the clock strikes midnight on Saturday night, we're in the beginning of it's not the shutdown of the government it's the definancing of leviathan we begin the definancing 
of the stroke of midnight on Saturday. It's the only way to bring this beast to heel. It's all about money and power, and you've got to cut off the action of the money. We're going to get into this, and we've got a pretty big blockbuster with Julie Kelly coming up about Ray Epps. Uh, we've got an assessment about Fauci at the CIA and a preview tomorrow of, and they better come out hot tomorrow. They better come out some muzzle velocity in this hearing. And uh, Natalie be with that. Just scheduling uh, Raheem's incredible interview on National Pulse. We're going to stream it at 7 o'clock at the end of the 6 o'clock show. As the pregame to the speech in Detroit, we're going to have a 15 or 20 minutes of which Mo and Grace are going to host comments and observations and questions from the audience. So make sure you're on Getter later. Then we're going to play the entire speech of President Trump, and then we're going to have Royce White's show afterwards. Raheem, just before we let you go, because this is a blockbuster, uh, do you believe this proves to you, as a journalist, this proves to you that she's a liar? 100%. if, If that question was still in doubt after the things that she has said, already that have been proven to be so, you know, outside the realms of reality, then this is this is it. I mean, this is the bullet in or in, in, in what shred of credibility she had left. Um, this is it. There, there is no way you you pillow talk FaceTime with somebody that you aren't sort of in a, in an intimate uh, scenario with. Not 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 like that. It doesn't happen. It would be wildly inappropriate if it did. And you can see the screenshot is taken from her end. And our sources are telling us that she was the one sending it around and bragging about that relationship. Steve, we've, we, we actually, as I said, uh, this is one of a, a, a few scoops that, uh, that we've published this evening. And I, I want to bring those to people's attentions, too. Number one is on the national pulse at the moment. It is President Trump's response on the abortion question that he got from uh, Meet the Press. And I think it's a substantive one. It's one that people will want to to read fully and internalize fully because of course his his enemies on the right have been uh, questioning him uh, on that subject for a couple of weeks now since that interview. I think it it bears listening to. Uh, And then the second one is, I know you're not particularly into this, but at the Keebler Elf Summit tonight, I'm told that Fox News actually intends to try and push the candidates to the left on amnesty and that they intend to play a clip of Ronald Reagan endorsing amnesty and asking the candidates to kind of commit to a Reagan-esque amnesty for illegals on that stage. That is our own unique reporting that I also shared out uh, just about over an hour ago today. So if you want to know where Fox is going, especially in the wake uh, of the Rupert Murdoch exit, uh, this will give you some idea. These Murdochs will stop at nothing to destroy this country. Think about that. That is a blockbuster. Raheem, uh, one last thing. You've gone to Rachel Maddow's producer. Have you gone to the publisher of the book, and have you reached out to uh, Hutchinson's, I guess, PR team, the team that has her carpet bombing these lies everywhere on MSNBC and CNN? Yeah, so we've approached MSNBC uh, already. Then my next port of call was this interview right here. And my next action, as soon as I hang up with you guys, will be to approach her PR team and uh, Cassidy Hutchinson herself about what she's doing, sending these pictures around, boasting about her intimate relationship with uh, Matt Gates some years ago. So stay tuned. I think you got another blockbuster there in this Bombay Club, but we'll save that for another time. The Bombay Club. Interesting. 
Interesting cast of characters. Quite Raheem right. Kassam. Raheem, right. how did people get, how they get to National Pulse and how they get to your social media? How it comes full circle, you know, of course, my parents being from Bombay uh, originally, after all, the nationalpulse.com forward slash war room, Steve, you know, you've probably seen my work output is directly correlated to how many members are joining up at the nationalpulse.com forward slash war room. We'll keep the scoops coming as long as you keep the membership coming, driving that site, driving the staff, you know, all of the staff over at the Pulse. Um, are just so grateful for the support they get from this audience and the wider uh, America First, MAGA-inclined people all around, by the way, all around the Western world, a populist nationalist movement. You know, we're doing a lot. I'm working on a book at the same time. Uh, it, you know, lots going on behind the scenes. We have the app as well for Android and iPhone, which people can get if they want to get the push notifications faster than, you know, the New York Times and the CNN spin their push notifications out. We'll tell you the truth about what's going on in the world. The nationalpulse.com forward slash war room. Thank you, uh, Raheem Kassam. In the next, uh, starting at six o'clock, we're going to have some congressmen in. They're going to be jumping in and out between votes all day long. If you've been watching our stream of C-SPAN, it's been it's just been absolutely amazing. Uh, what's going on here and these bills, I think I'm not even sure agriculture is passed yet. There's real cuts, real fights, real defanging. It's quite fascinating, uh, this battle that's going on. Just be advised, nothing's going to come and save the apparatus before midnight on, uh, on, uh, on Saturday. I think that train's left the station. But you're going to see a lot of, you know, nonsense in the mainstream media about it. Natalie Winters, uh, two things. Number one, the, the, nobody's done a better job of being on Fauci. Fauci at the CIA want to deal with us first, and then we got to deal with the impeachment hearing tomorrow because the Democrats are going to come hard on this thing, and I'm not feeling it right now. Let's start with Fauci. What do we know about Why is Fauci at the Central Intelligence Agency, ma'am? Yeah, we have new documents or at least a search for records to corroborate what is reports coming from the House Committee on the Coronavirus Pandemic that Anthony Fauci was escorted without any record, without any trace of him actually being there um, into the CIA to actually advise, I would probably use the word bully, um, some of the agency's investigators, particularly on the origins of COVID-19. And you have to remember this story is coming on the heels of what was really another blockbuster allegation from the same congressional committee um, that these investigators had also been bribed financially uh, to support the natural origins theory about COVID-19 and basically debunk the lab leak theory called the people who, you know, dared to say the words Wuhan Institute of Virology, um, conspiracy theorists. So I think there's a lot to unpack here beyond just the fact that Anthony Fauci is, you know, establishing some sort of back channel with the CIA, because I think it really raises the question. Uh, there's sort of two, I would say, avenues of thought to go down here. One is that Anthony Fauci publicly maintains that he doesn't really know anything about the origins of COVID, that he thinks it was likely a product of a spillover from a wet market event. So what internal knowledge does he have that would prompt him or make him need to go to the CIA, you know, in the dead of night for a secret briefing? And I think that goes back to, frankly, a lot of the reporting that we covered on this show, which is that 
what we've always maintained, the only reason that Anthony Fauci has ever been referred to as an expert on COVID-19, it was never the mask mandates, the vaccine or public health policies. It was always the fact that he was played an intimate role in the creation of the virus by funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, Because again, remember, his public posture on this has always been, you know, oh, well, we don't really know. Yeah, I guess China's sort of withholding some of the genomic sequences, but we're not really sure, right? He doesn't have any smoking guns. So it's very curious that he would have some level of information that needs to be shared with the CIA, or he's just not sharing it with the American public. But I think it goes back to the fact that this really is just sort of operation cover-up. I also think it's important, like I said, to stress the fact that, again, the CIA, these very same investigators, it was a team of seven of them, and six of the seven leaned toward a lab leak theory. But the way that the media and the IC report that was hailed by Joe Biden as evidence that his regime is tough on China reported out the CIA's findings was that it was inconclusive. I don't know about you, but I would say six out of seven is a pretty conclusive number. But I also think it just goes back to the bigger picture about the origins of COVID, which, of course, the Chinese Communist Party played an integral role through the PLA-controlled Wuhan Institute of Virology. But like so much of the damage that has been inflicted on this country by the Chinese Communist Party, it's always done in tandem with the administrative state, in this case, with the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And I think it's very curious that most of the reporting that we've seen about really trying to toy um, and mess around with the conclusion on where COVID-19 came from, apparently they really cared about what the CIA thought, right? Because a lot of the agencies were conducting their own internal assessments, but between the bribery, between Anthony Fauci, like I said, establishing a back channel, secretly appearing there with no trace, no records of him visiting. um, I really think it's interesting why they care so much about what the CIA had to say about the origins of COVID. And I think it goes back to our original theory of the case, which is that it's the Chinese Communist Party in tandem with the administrative state in the form of what is the, you know, medical, biopharmaceutical, industrial complex, big pharma, NIH, NIAID, collaborating together um, to create the research that ultimately led to the creation of COVID-19. Natalie, you're, you're going to be at the first hearing in, in the ninth month of this uh, controlling the House of the impeachment, first impeachment hearing. When are we going to get actually because they've got a subcommittee that's specializing in this. When are we going to get Fauci? When are we going to get some real movement on that subcommittee in a formal way, ma'am? Well, look, Steve, I have to say, I think it's curious that we saw this story drop just last night. Same goes for the story about the wire transfers going to Joe Biden's house from James Comer. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but as you know, the sort of strap line of Kevin McCarthy has been, we can't shut down the government because we need to continue these investigations, which, as you know, in this term or in this world, I think they use the term investigation as just that there's no accountability on the other side of the evidence that they uncover. So I really think they're trying to make a full court press right now from a messaging perspective that these investigations are important. I mean, what's better red meat for the base than a story about Anthony Fauci secretly going to the CIA uh, or wire transfers going to Joe Biden's house. Again, not to dispute the credibility of the stories. I'm just saying the timing is interesting. And as far as the impeachment hearing tomorrow, I don't know. I think this probably would have been a, a good hearing to have about six months ago. Um, it really is just providing an overview of what an impeachment inquiry would look like. 
Uh, they are going to have three witnesses and sort of just provide a, an overview of the evidence that they've uncovered. Um, I don't really see the potential for any, you know, real fire breathers uh, to come and say things that are really going to move the needle to get that accountability that we so desperately want. But I will, I will be a fair and impartial juror. But at this point, I think uh, it's fair to say that a lot of this is just sort of go, falls into the category, much like the gas stove bill of uh, messaging and optics. Uh, <laughs> real quickly, what's your social media so people can follow you tomorrow while you're there? Natalie G. Winters on all platforms. Natalie hit it out of the park one more time. I hope that Comer and this team understands Goldman and these uh, Democrat lawyers are going to come in. They're going to come in as fire breathers. I'm, I'm not feeling it right now. I think Natalie's absolutely correct. Natalie Winters, thank you very much on the Fauci Watch. Julie Kelly next. Ray X. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, we've got a lot of congressmen and women scattered for the next hour, As we're, but understand, they're voting, they're debating, it's a lot going on. To the degree they have to vote, they have to vote. We're going to try to catch this catch can, so just remember, that's what the show's doing. We got some great clips of what happened earlier today. I'll be giving commentary and analysis, also talking about why I think this is going to be two and a half trillion, not two trillion, and these misses are big and they're important. Because this is going to be life going forward. And it directly affects your life. That's one of the things we're trying to do on the show is show you this is just not some theoretical exercise up here. Make sure you go to birchgold.com slash banner. What to do now is to find out, just ask a Philip Patrick team, why is the Fed, besides printing money to pay for these deficits and to drive inflation and to kill the purchasing power of the dollar, why are they spending all their time on a central bank digital currency? Why the central banks of the nations that control the natural resources of the world, particularly oil and gas and all the mining and everything even to make the electrical vehicles, why are they buying gold at record rates? And wait for the response and then think about it. What we try to do is give you access to information here so that you can make your own decisions about being self-reliant. Use your agency. Julie Kelly uh, has just broken a story. You know, the number one reporter that has been on this J6 situation. And Julie, I've, I've been following the debate on the, on the DHS bill. I'm not quite ecstatic by what I'm seeing in this DH bill, even from our side. Maybe we have time. We'll get to that later. But you've got another blockbuster here on Ray Epps. I'll let you take it from there, ma'am. So, Steve, as you know, I'm one of a handful of reporters who have had access to the January 6th uh, surveillance tapes, and I've been reviewing them extensively for the past several days and discovered lots of new video of Ray Epps, who, as you know, finally, 32 months later, was charged with a single misdemeanor count by DOJ uh, one count of being on restricted grounds, disorderly conduct on restricted grounds. What I uh, report today, Steve, is that the Department of Justice, in their statement of offense, misrepresented how much time Ray Epps spent on restricted grounds. They also downplayed and misrepresented his conduct that day. Most importantly, the DOJ suggested in their statement of offense last week that Ray Epps left Capitol grounds around 210 or 215 
on January 6th. This is also what Ray Epps told the January 6th Select Committee last year, that at 2.12 p.m., he was on his way back to his hotel room. What we have now is numerous video clips that show Ray Epps on restricted grounds far after 12.15. In fact, you see him there. He's exiting Capitol grounds at around 2.50 that day. He did. Um, he was engaged in a lot of behavior and conduct that has resulted in criminal charges against many other January 6th defendants, including interfering with police officers, aiding and abetting assault on police officers, attempting to move toward closer to the building to an entrance point. So the question is, Steve, now that we finally have one charge against Ray Epps, uh, why the DOJ continues to lie and falsify the account of Ray Epps's conduct on January 6th, why Ray Epps did it himself, and why the media continues to cover for this man, uh, portray him as a victim of right-wing conspiracy theories when everyone else at the Capitol that day, all those people are domestic terrorists or insurrectionists, except for Ray Epps. So again, video evidence that shows the Department of Justice lied related to its single count against Ray Epps filed last week. Julie, you've, you've spent now years of your life going through this. When they have these people that they've upgraded to terrorism charges, they go through every millisecond of footage, correct? So they have everything on these people as possible? They certainly do, Yes. All of it is how possibly how possibly giving how controversial this individual is, how could they possibly not have it down to the nanosecond if Ray Epps says 210 and 215? How can they not have it down to the millisecond of everywhere Ray Epps was in particular they when, they, when they charged him? They do, Steve, because you have people all around Ray Epps in this vicinity who have been charged with crimes. The DOJ has used this very surveillance video, snapshots of this video, as evidence against other defendants. There is no way that investigators and prosecutors have not seen Ray Epps many times in many cases uh, in this mob. He actually had his hand at one point on a fence. He was involved in the first two exterior breach points, key breach points. He whispered in the ear of Ryan Samsel, uh, the, one of the first individuals who knocked over that first exterior uh, line of bike racks at about 12.55. He whispers in Ryan Samsel's ear, Ryan Samsel and a few others knock over the bike racks. They advance towards the western side of the building with Ray Epps. I have that video as well. Ray Epps is running towards the building. He's not walking. He's not telling people, hey, don't mess with the police. He's running towards the building. Then the footage that we discovered this week is that he was involved in the second breach. He is near individuals who have brought down part of another section of fence. It looks at one point like he's stepping on that fence, keeping it on the ground. At the very least, he's protecting individuals in front of him who have, are keeping that part of the fence down. And that creates the second breach point. He then runs again towards the side of the building with these other protesters at this breach point that he has created. He is sprayed by police at least three times, Steve, directly in the face at one point. He still doesn't leave. He's up and down the police line. He's chatting with people. He's pointing. He's raising his fist. And then when the police line falls at about 2.30 that day, um, Ray Epps runs with the crowd towards this uh, western side of the building where later hundreds of protesters would walk inside the Capitol. 
why is the DOJ lying? Why did Ray Epps lie to the January 6th committee about the time that he left? Why are they not trying to convince us that Ray Epps was helping police when very clearly he was interfering in law enforcement and at least at two occasions aiding and abetting assault on police officers? So this story is not over. It's not a conspiracy theory to raise questions about him. And we should ask more. Can we keep you for a few minutes? Can can Mm -hmm. we keep you for a few minutes into the six o'clock show? Because there's this also goes to deeper questions about the budget fight that's going up here, the de-weaponization of FBI, DOJ, what's in it. President Trump now has come out about this. Julie Kelly is the expert. Also about the J6 types, one of the commitments that McCarthy made. We're going to take a short break. Julie's going to hang with us. We're also going to try to get the congressman as we can get them and get updates on the fight and the battle. Otherwise, I'll update you, give you my own assessment. So stick around for the next hour in the war room. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. 